I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Meg here as always and we have a super special guest on the show with me this week. My friend Teresa from Living Roots Wellness. She is a tapping queen. That's what I personally refer to her as but she is all about emotional freedom technique which is tapping and also brain rewiring and brain retraining. If you follow her on Instagram, you're probably already familiar with all of her incredible posts and also grounding and reflective Instagram stories. I just absolutely love following her over on Instagram. She's just one of those people that I connected with over on social media and we just hit it off really quickly and she quickly became one of my BFFs. So I'm super excited to have her on the show with me this week. And even though I refer to her as the tapping queen, I must say that this episode goes far beyond tapping and even brain rewiring. So I'm so excited for you to listen to our entire conversation, but just a personal share on how Teresa has supported me recently without kind of even knowing it is for some reason a couple weeks ago I was really struggling with my sleep. It was like I had one bad sleep and then it was just consistent after that and it felt like that one poor night's sleep kind of set everything off for me and like I said it just kept happening over and over and over again. So I hopped over on Instagram and started scrolling through all of Teresa's tapping videos and I came across one for insomnia. I did it two nights in a row and I have been just sleeping just like usual because sleep has never been something that I've struggled with or had a challenge with at all. I can always just put my head down, fall asleep, and wake up the next morning without any interruptions. So anyways, I just have to give her a huge shout out because that tapping video for insomnia really seemed to help me. So if you are also struggling with sleep, and just a side note that today, if you are listening to this when the podcast airs, it is October 20th of 2021, and it's a full moon today. October 20th. It's a full moon. And just an FYI, if you aren't already in the know about this, is that typically on the full moon, a lot of people actually have trouble sleeping. And also when it is the full moon is also around the time when a lot of women tend to be ovulating or on their period. And around those times of our cycle, we can just also have a little bit more um, challenges when it comes to getting a really good night's sleep. So just be mindful of that. And like I said, if you feel like, yeah, my sleep has kind of been off lately, I highly recommend going over to Teresa's account. I have it linked up in the show notes. So just scroll down wherever you're listening to this podcast episode and click on her Instagram handle to take you directly over to her page and then go over and browse her IGTV videos over on Instagram and you will just like by scrolling find her one for insomnia and she is just so incredible she's so pure and I just 
absolutely adore her and so excited for you to get to know her this week with me on the show if you don't already know who she is. And just um, some fun at the end of this episode, both Teresa and I are foodies at heart. So we talk a little bit about food and human design. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, make sure you listen all the way to the end. And then finally, I just wanted to share something that's happening on my end, just a little new thing I started. Um, Last week, I felt inspired to share a recipe over on Instagram and And I realized that it has been a really long time since I shared a recipe. And as you all know, I am such a foodie. I love food and I love teaching you how to nourish your body really well and get excited about nourishing your body. So I actually started a hashtag and it's just meg doll recipes and every single time i share a recipe from now on i will be using that hashtag so if you ever want to hop over on instagram just search that hashtag i can also link that up in the show notes for you this week and then eventually there will be a lot of recipes for you to find over on instagram but don't forget there's always free recipes over on my website as well megdoll.com i've been posting recipes for years so me sharing recipes is nothing new but i did a nice little um post for you over on instagram and It's really just easy to find over on Instagram. That's something that I like about Instagram. So that's all I have for you this week. I'm so excited for you to dive into this episode. And don't forget that if you are loving the show and listening to it today, just take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories or wherever you are on social media and tag me at I am Migdal so I can see who's listening. Hey, Teresa, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on this week, but I'm kind of like giggling right now because we have just spent the past 20 minutes geeking out on human design and the Enneagram and healing and all the things. I just feel so pumped to have you on the show with me this week. Thanks, Meg. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this, so it's it's the perfect day. <laughs> it really is. So there's just like something about you that I've just been so into like there's just something about your presence that I just adore and I'm so excited for my listeners to learn about you and what you offer and how you support your clients and all the things so if people are just meeting you for the very first time do you want to give yourself a little bit of an intro so everyone knows who we're talking to this week (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I had a feeling you would ask this and I'm always like, how do I sum this up in a few phrases? Because as you know, we're always bouncing around and changing and recalibrating. But yeah, I think I found myself here kind of by a series of unfortunate events that turned out to be exactly what I needed. But long story, very short, I started to get pretty sick at a very young age and found a way to push through, you know, that's kind of like, even, I guess maybe it was what I learned, but I just, yeah, I I assumed that everyone felt pretty tired and pretty awful and pretty bloated and just that's what it was to be a human. But it was as early as second grade where I just felt so off, like so down, so tired. I'm like, what is this world? How do I keep up with this? So over the years, it just became more and more complicated. And what felt like the first glimpse of hope was when I got a positive test back for Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, and a couple of other tick co-infections, which are, I think, becoming more recognized these days as like uh, more like a symptom, I guess, of a toxic body. It depends who you talk to. But that felt like, yay, like I figured it out. Everything's going to be smooth sailing from here. But it took a turn in the direction of 
the more testing I did and the more supplement protocols and antibiotic protocols and restrictive healing diets I did, the worse I became, the more dysfunctional I became. And yeah, the weaker I became, I could not function to the point where my gut basically stopped moving. People call it gastroparesis. That's normally when the stomach stops emptying, but you can also lose all gut motility. And again, depending on who you talk to, it can be part of the Lyme infections. They basically paralyze the vagus nerve and cause so much damage that the gut literally shuts down. It's their way of hijacking the body in a way. So when nothing was working and I was, you know, losing my sense of will to live. And I mean, even just basic abilities, like I could barely lift my body up. I couldn't have bowel movements, which makes things really difficult, especially from the brain fog and endotoxin and just autotoxemia perspective. I'm sure, you know, if you, you know, even just gotten like a flu or like some kind of belly bug, your thoughts change. And I had entered this state of like dystopia where it felt like the world looked gray and dark. And yeah, I think my breaking point was realizing, okay, Western medicine's not going to save me. The shamans are not going to save me. Essential oils are not working and diet. The thing that I thought would be the cure-all is one of those things that really exposes my symptoms because I would eat something simple, you know, like a piece of fruit and have really intense flu-like flares where I would just have to lay down and just kind of wait for the storm to pass. So a winding path started to take me to more of the brain rewiring side of things. And of course I was already aware of how dysfunctional my thoughts were because I lived in them and interpreted the world through them. But it was like that one last piece of hope where I was like, okay, well, if nothing's working, let me at least try something that I can do at home that I don't have to, you know, try another protocol. So done with protocols at this point. So done with doctors poking me and, you know, it just, yeah, I'm sure you know how it goes at a certain point, you just reach this level of fatigue where you're like, okay, I just need to scale back. So the more interested I became in our thoughts and how they impact our functioning and also starting to look under the rug of how trauma impacts us, it felt like I finally started to get answers where I realized, whoa, okay, my body is reflecting a lot of things, but it's not like, oh man, there's so many layers to this, but you know, as you get sick, there's like stages of grief and like disbelief and, you know, feeling like, wow, I created this. What's wrong with me versus, oh, this kind of makes sense. Thinking about the world we live in thinking about how trauma changes our genes, thinking about how the pace at which we live and the thoughts with which we think about things are literally changing the hormones and messengers in our body. So yeah, I think the brain rewiring really opened up this sense of hope for me. And on the side, I was still experimenting with trying to regain a sense of function. And it was I I feel weird bringing this up because it's not something I would ever recommend to anyone, but it was actually more of a carnivore approach that stabilized me. And for the first time in about, I'd say I spent about a year really just existing, but carnivore finally gave me was by day three. I was like, whoa, I can kind of function right now. Like I have a little bit of energy and the brain fog went down a little bit. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with just removing a lot of the things that were fermenting, especially considering my gut wasn't moving yet. Um, but it built from there. So that slowly led me to people like Ray Pete and Danny Roddy, and then finding more of the pro metabolic world. But with this foundation that, yeah, food is great and it allows you to thrive, but we have to make sure that we've paid attention to what's going on up in this big, big creature that sits on our shoulders. So does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to know more. I have more questions, but honestly, I want to just kind of go back. So I'll just admit like 
I plugged in your human design info right before we started. So I know that we're around the same age and you said you were in grade two when you were feeling this extremely ill. Yeah. Well, that's when I remember, I know I I think of my younger self and I'm like, oh, sweetie, like, I just want to go and scoop her up because yeah, I just got shivers thinking about it. I just remember the world felt so dark. I remember like waking up in the winter months. It was completely dark outside before we'd go to school. And I just had this heaviness about me. And yeah, I was in second grade, but I, Meg, I thought everyone felt this way. And I don't know when I started to realize, wow, everyone doesn't feel this way. It was probably, you know, it was probably closer to fourth grade when I started to notice how much energy people had, like at recess and even just seeing the spontaneity and like the trust in life of other kids that I just felt kind of withdrawn from. Um, But yeah, I mean, very, I definitely would not have chosen that, but now I'm like, whoa, I feel so connected to this purpose to like really remind the people that are losing hope that have really dysfunctional bodies that are trying to heal. I think that's like the the piece that really pulls me. It's like, they're doing everything right. They've seen all the people, but they're just so stuck in that hypervigilant stress mode that it's counteracting anything, maybe even good that they're doing. So yeah, it's, it's a funny, funny thing to reflect on, but I'm, I'm genuinely grateful these days where I'm just able to say, wow, I'm really grateful that happened. It, it, was terrible in the moment, but thank goodness. (laughs) Right. Cause it brought you to where you are today, but wow. Just hearing your story. I was just like, I cannot believe she was in grade two feeling that way, but also creating like those beliefs about yourself and the people around you and the world, right? Like you throw out a big one there. Like, I guess this is just what it like to be a human like that's a huge belief for a little grade two to be holding on to (laughs) to add to that one of the like the first core beliefs I remember learning from my caregivers was life's not fair (laughs) so it's just like okay this world is like gonna it's not safe like all the things like it just oh my gosh and that's why again the brain aspect feels so potent because if we are sending that message to our bodies, life's not fair. It's not safe. The only way to get through to life is work hard. It's not supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be enjoyable. It's no surprise that our bodies start to shut down. And even just thinking about like autoimmunity and other dysfunctional patterns in the body, it feels like it is more of a stress reaction. I mean, you can throw in the mineral component to that too, but really thinking about like the psychological impact. Yeah. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. It's, I got, I was getting shivers too. Um, So moving on, you said, you know, obviously you tried protocol after protocol and so many different approaches and I like your approach. I know you and I have this in common, like just a lot about us. Like we have a lot in common and I just appreciate your approach to things. But I know you also believe that like, yeah, food is and can be really helpful for our healing. But, you know, most people start there. But I think you and I, both found the most healing in our minds and by doing that type of work. So you said you reached that breaking point and you kind of went into the world of brain rewiring or retraining. And so what doors did that open for you? And what was that kind of like journey like for you once you kind of started to tap into all that stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. First, I think it was realizing, again, like the thought patterns that I had, especially about my body and the symptoms I was experiencing were intolerable to me, like inescapable, especially in the more survival mode where I wasn't really able to do much of anything except like 
exist in an apartment in San Diego and just kind of wondering what the world was, what was going to happen next. When I started to even notice how the smallest gap of something either neutral or positive would kind of take me out of my body. And again, not everyone needs to learn to be out of their body, but for me, I, I needed an escape to start to feel that sense of beauty again. I think that was it. It was realizing that beauty was there and I could actually feel it because at a certain point, it's like the sun could be shining. All of the succulents were blooming, but I could not feel any glimpse of the hope and like the joy in life because of how sick my body felt. So it was kind of this retraining it and like a muscle, I guess I started to expand my ability to feel the beauty, but also to learn to believe that it was possible because that was another piece of it. It was almost like this feeling of like, I'm never going to heal. Like, this is hopeless. This is, you know, nothing's working. Like what's going to, how will this be different? But with the brain rewiring, it was like, oh, wow, I have control over this. I creatively can start to paint these worlds. And really, Meg, I started imagining the things that I always wanted to do. And again, like the more cognitive and I guess um, logical side of the brain would be like, no, you're sick. That's not going to happen. But I would gently keep imagining and that's where it started. Yeah, it really started to grow. I would imagine myself like vital and energized and dancing and out hiking and spending time with friends. And it's almost like when you provide that blueprint for the body with the brain, it wants to get there too. We always forget that the body wants to feel good. And it started, it just, it really started stacking from there. I started having more days where I felt energized. I started to slowly push myself to do more and move my body more and even honor wow I feel absolutely terrible right now and I can still choose to focus on the beauty and learning to hold both simultaneously was yeah really open the doors to realize that you can still live a very valuable life even when the body is not working in the ways you want it to and then the path towards helping the body feels a little bit more curious and experimental and more like joyous and less like, Oh, I have to do this or else, or, Oh, she said I should do this. So I probably, you know, with more of like the fear mongering side of healing diets and such. So, yeah, I think it's, it really just, I like the phrase you use, what doors did it open up, but it, it like tethered me back to the earth in a way. I'm like, Oh, I actually do want to stay here. There's so much beauty. Life is really fun and really short. You know, I think that awareness is with me. And you probably notice I'm always trying to nudge people to be aware of the fact that they're dying and really question, is this how you want to be living? Say this is your last, you know, couple of hours here on earth. Would you be speaking to your partner that way? Would you be moving your body this way? Would you maybe close your laptop and go for a walk? Like all these things that we maybe think we have a lot of time, but maybe we don't. And maybe it would help us to realize that we don't. Oh, I love that so much. Love everything you just shared. And I want to go back to what you said about finding those like little pockets of what brought you joy or happiness or hope when you were feeling really sick, because that's really important. And I think we need to talk about that a little bit more because when we aren't feeling well, we, or just even like not related to like health and wellness, right. You might be just like in a living situation. Like, I mean, like this pandemic, right? Like a lot of people are living by themselves. They might not like where they're living. And then it's like this spiral of thinking all of these negative or hard things, right? Yeah. And pulling ourselves out of that negative thinking spiral, we can do that by f- just finding like that little pocket of mm-hmm. happiness or joy or hope, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people kind of think that when we suggest doing that, 
we're kind of telling them also to, okay, forget all of this bad stuff that's happening. Let's just focus on the positive. But I know that's not what you're saying because you also said like, let's hold them both. So do you want to talk more about that? Thank you for noticing that and reflecting it back because I think that's the biggest thing because the think, just think positive or like manifest, manifest something better. That puts so much shame on someone who now thinks, oh my gosh, I manifested this disease. I manifested this living situation. I'm being abused or X, Y, and Z because I manifested it. I'm, I don't, I don't really buy into that. I'm more of, okay, we don't know why this happened. We don't necessarily have to know why. Maybe we can have some ideas about how this came to be. We don't need to pretend it's not there. We can honor it, accept it, let it be there and focus on what's beautiful because then it's not bright siding. It's not just, yeah, it's not pretending that things aren't the way that they are. And I think the body again, likes to like, it likes to be acknowledged. So it's, or whatever situation, because you can't, and maybe some people listening can relate. You can maybe fake it till you make it or think positive or bright side for a short amount of time or for certain scenarios, but for bigger things, you can't lie to yourself. It just makes the whole thing worse. So by honoring, yeah, I feel like a piece of shit and I still can focus on the butterfly that just flew by. Yeah, I'm scared I'm not healing and I'm choosing to find something beautiful right now. Then it's like more of this doable step-by-step like puzzle work again versus I'm healthy I'm happy I am healing well okay you might actually be regressing right now and look how strong my brain is getting look how much better I'm at at catching myself and not getting into the spiral and even learning to be at peace when you don't feel well all of these things that I think deserve some attention and might be the path to that greater healing that I think so many people these days are seeking because even in the process of feeling sick, I feel like there's this zooming in. It's like, oh my gosh, this is me. What's wrong with me? And we forget that there are so many people, mostly women, but I, yeah, I guess mostly women, but it depends. But so many people that are really struggling, struggling with their health or their mental health or the combination seems like it's always the combination. So yeah, it's just really realizing it's not about bright siding. It's not about manifesting or thinking positive. It's really acknowledging where you're at and then very kindly speaking to that. And it's, it's almost like this test of how kind can you speak to all aspects of yourself, especially when the parts of yourself show up that you really do not like, or you wish were different, whether that's physical, whether that's, you know, certain habits or stories you have. So yeah, it's, that was game changing for me when I realized, well, I didn't, I don't even have to like this part of me, but I can still be really sweet to it. I don't have to like this circumstance. Oh, but I can still respect it. That is honestly where the big change happens, right? Because we, I know we like for our listeners, right? If they are struggling right now and they are feeling like in that place, like you were describing before, right? Like I know they don't want to be there, but it also doesn't feel good to just be like, okay, I'm just going to totally not even acknowledge how shitty I feel and just focus on the positive, right? Because that doesn't feel super awesome either. Like it feels good to acknowledge those hurting parts of us and also hold that hope too. So I love that. Yeah. You know, and even taking it a step further, like bringing in that enthusiasm for the darker parts, like say you struggle with panic attacks, which was something I experienced when I was at my weakest, like complete shutdown, like nervous system on the fritz. And I would get so scared as many people do with panic attacks, scared that something was going to trigger it and imagining like the worst case scenario. One of the flips was, wow, I'm going to get excited for these panic attacks. Like if they're going to happen, like I'm going to just let the, you know, let it rip and bringing in that humor preemptively started to limit the number of times I would experience that level of panic. And it's 
again, whether it's enthusiasm or kindness, but like celebrating whatever is accepting whatever is. And something I would repeat to myself many, many days was I'm just going to embrace everything. And I started to learn from, as you know, the worst days turned out to be the days where I look back on now and I'm like, ah, wow, thank you. All right. I learned the hard way. Don't have to do that again. And look at you now, right? Like when we go through those really difficult times, you do come through them and you can look back and have this incredibly strong mind now. Like that's like, you're a perfect example of that. And I just want all of our listeners just to really realize that if they're feeling like they're in the thick of this right now, that literally you and I are both living examples that you can do hard things and then have this like really strong mindset because of it, because you got through that. Yeah. And even a personality change, that's that going back to your other question, doors it opened as much as I know, I'm still the same person as I was four years ago, or even three years ago, even less. There are so many things now where I'm like, I, I, I exist so differently. And part of it was believing that I could, and then starting to practice it as, as weird as that seems, but like practice what it feels like to be spontaneous, to notice what it feels like in the body, to feel playful, to feel like alive and joyous. And then it's, yeah, that framework analogy keeps coming up where you you show the body what it feels like and the body's like, yes, more of that. And it's almost like it naturally prunes back the pathways that are hypervigilantly scanning for what's wrong. Like, did I eat something wrong? Oh, why do I feel this tired? What, you know, that more of the, yeah, more, I mean, the primal aspects of us that are trying to keep us safe versus, whoa, okay, let's, let's teach the body to, and the brain to scan for beauty and make that the most dominant force that we move through the day with. So yeah, it's kind of like magic and a lot of skeptics, myself included, will start to dive into this kind of work, whether it's tapping, whether it's brain rewire. And then they're like, oh my gosh, whoa, this stuff works. And, and I think that's exactly it. When you experience that, it feels better to feel better. And you realize you don't have to exist in this like doomful, dark, fearful state all the time. (laughs) Everything starts opening. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up tapping. We need to talk about that today because you're kind of like the tapping queen, right? I follow you on Instagram (laughs) and you just have all these tapping videos. And that's, I know how you work with some of your clients too, is through, um, tapping. So I briefly kind of like talked about tapping on a previous episode quite a while ago. So I want you to fill us in on tapping, but maybe, you know, you were talking about how you were kind of led to brain rewiring. So where did like tapping enter your journey and how did that change things for you even more? Because I believe that was kind of the case for you. Yeah, very serendipitously. I was just looking for a health coach, actually, when I lived in San Diego and I was interested in her. Um, she doesn't coach anymore. Well, I should actually check in with her. She might be, but she did hypnosis and was more trauma informed and, you know, somatic informed. So I wanted to work with her just because I know she had been through a lot. So I was very drawn to her and she actually started to use tapping on me. And I really, again, at first I was like, what is this? I don't know. But every single time We'd finish a session and I would feel like this lightness and this sense of clarity. And again, this sense of hopefulness. And I couldn't believe it. Like, again, I couldn't believe that, wow, even with a very sick body, I could have these more of those gaps, those pockets where I'm like, doesn't even matter. There's beautiful, you know, like, it's like that playfulness and the joy is like right there. So she was the one that originally got me into it. And then I 
kind of fell off the bandwagon a little bit when I got really, really sick and someone led me to DNRS and it was becoming a little bit popular in the chronic illness world. And there were parts of it that really resonated with me that I still use to this day and I still use with clients, but other parts I noticed they flared me up even more in terms of, you know, kind of ignoring a symptom and shifting. I'm like, wait, but it's still there. After doing DNRS and coming back to tapping, I realized, whoa, there's not room for improvement, but kind of like room for nuance, especially with people that are open to everything that maybe even tried DNRS, but noticed, eh, didn't quite hit the spot for these things. Um, But again, it's like, maybe that's part of the metaphor, realizing we have all these tools There's so much to draw on, but it is about finding what works for you. And I think that's a big piece of this. It's realizing in my attempt to heal my own body, I kept outsourcing and like wanting to find the next doctor, wanting to find the next thing and forgetting that I had to take the majority of the responsibility in a really empowering way of, okay, I can do a lot of this on my own. And a lot of it isn't going to come from some expert telling me what to do. So tapping really, I think, teaches people that, again, they can start to shift their own thoughts. They can feel that safety in their own body and then eventually get to the point where they don't need to be working with a coach, which is what I want to hammer into everyone that like, I, I, I truly believe that, or at least this is how I like to work with people, that it's a temporary container where it's like, okay, here are your tools to self-regulate, to challenge some of these thoughts, to challenge these loops, to even befriend some of these loops. And then you can integrate that with your daily life and live an amazing life, even while you're still working on some of these stories. Because as you know, they, they kind of, they pop up, they maybe re-trigger us. We thought we've dealt with something and then it shows up in a different direction or it shows up when we least expect it, when we're feeling great. And we're, there's so much to this, but tapping it's based on the acupressure, acupuncture meridian points. And pretty cool, actually. A recent study shows that the specific tapping points are actually an active ingredient in its efficacy, which I thought was really cool because sometimes I'm like, ooh, like certain phrases really stand out to me. I'm like, it's the phrase. We just need to repeat the phrases. But as, as you probably know too, certain affirmations can kind of feel like lies if you don't believe them. And it's like, oh man, another one of these verses with tapping, it's accepting the thought, accepting the situation and shifting your perspective, or even just, even just labeling it as that, you know, accepting what is and learning to be okay with that. And then it's like the stress hormones naturally start to soften And that's what the studies show. It brings down cortisol. It brings down other indicators of stress, of inflammation, of overactive immune responses. So I am so excited about it because it's, yeah, it's another thing that people can just learn and then use on their own. And it's like one less way to complicate the healing process. Yes. Two amazing things. I love what you said about bringing it back to you, right? Like instead of outsourcing or finding that next doctor, finding that next health coach, this practice, like you can literally just do it with your own self. And I find that so incredible. And Mm -hmm. also, yeah, like the end goal with our clients is to teach them the tools and show them how to support themselves because, We also don't want our clients relying on us forever, just like we don't want to be relying on someone else forever, right? Exactly. Yeah. And the coach I originally worked with, I worked with her for a long time, I think close to four years, maybe. And sometimes we would be dealing with the same loop week after week after week, or, you know, I thought, I thought it was kind of taken care of and then it would flare up and and it gets to a point where it's like ah man like I I thought I had handled this but no it's back but then when you have these breakthroughs that's when I feel like the personality changes start to kick in where you're like oh my gosh I am playful wow and you, you find yourself in these situations that may have been really triggering 
in the past that are now no big deal. And I think it is, it does have roots in cognitive behavioral therapy where you literally have to say, okay, even though this scares me, I'm going to choose to do this. And it's almost like you get a data point of, oh, okay, nothing I worried about ended up happening. In fact, it's way better than I ever expected. Interesting. It's like pushing out that sense of safety again in the world and, and yeah, building frameworks that work for you and support you. So, yeah. Incredible. So if our listeners are feeling like, okay, I'm so sick. I feel like I've tried absolutely everything. Obviously you're one of the coaches or practitioners that I would want to recommend. So how are you working with clients and like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I have three offerings right now. I still work one-to-one with people. And I think that can be really important when someone has a very specific case, especially my, I shouldn't say my favorite clients, but the people I feel like I enjoy working most with are the most complicated cases that have literally tried everything and are not quite where they want to be. So for that, I tend to work one-on-one. But I also, I'm excited. I just launched a an, a tapping app. It's a membership where it has tapping videos for different symptoms, whether it's depression or body image issues or anxiety or thyroid flare-ups or insomnia, all the things that happen when we're trying to heal. Um, and there's also a community page so people can, again, just remember that they're not alone and they can use the videos when they want, because I think that's a piece of it too. This builds momentum. So it's like, okay, if you're noticing a flare up, you can tap in the middle of your work day, even like go into the bathroom with your phone and watch a video and have that to regulate. And so that's an option. And then I also do monthly tapping group calls where we work on a specific theme. Those are really fun because again, the community aspect of remembering you're not alone. And, and sometimes people share what they're going through and we'll kind of use that and work through that. Oftentimes people just have their cameras off. So it's, uh, you know, maybe more of me rambling, but it's, yeah, every time's unique. So that's mainly what I'm doing. And, and I try and share actionable and informative things on my Instagram because yes, I think food is a piece of it. It's harder to heal a body that's maybe missing some vital nutrients. Like just learning the other day that thiamine, vitamin B1 is a critical component of the vagus nerve and our ability to shift into that parasympathetic state. Again, that was news to me, but I'm like, oh my gosh, ding, 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 ding. All seeing the similarities between people with, you know, panic attacks and anxiety and SIBO and bloating and Yes, it's never just that one food that's going to save you, but it might support you and then allow you to think better. And then it's this beautiful back and forth. So yeah. And oh, I'm at Living Roots to Wellness. I always, I always forget to add it in Living Roots Wellness and the, the membership is tapping with tea for all of the videos. We will have all of your links in the show <laughs> notes so everyone can jump on board with you and learn more from you. And yeah, I just absolutely love following you on Instagram. It's so much fun and you share so much info and pretty pictures of food too. So who doesn't want that, right? Yeah, I'm still a foodie at heart. So, you know, as I learned to not put so much emphasis on food when I'm like, oh, this actually wants to kill me. Okay. Time to find joy over here. But that's one of the beauties realizing that you get to come back to things in life. And now that food doesn't cause such extreme reactions, I'm so grateful to get back to more of that playful mode of colors and textures and even adding in foods I haven't had in years just because they had been crossed off the list has been so joyous. It's like being a baby again, tasting a tomato again for the first time. I'm mind blown. So Yeah. So moving into these cooler months like autumn, what is maybe like a meal that you're just loving right now? Oh, that's a good question. You know, my taste buds guide me moment to moment. And sometimes I've even surprised like sardines and bananas. Okay. You know, like some, a weird combination that doesn't quite make sense. And then you try it and 
and it makes sense as the taste buds receive it. But you know, I'm I'm really, and you've probably noticed this from my stories, but I'm such a fan of like really mushy and yellow, like calming food. I guess I don't I don't know if it's calming for everyone, but I've always been a huge fan of like porridges and congees and like kind of Japanese influence but also with like a Mediterranean flair infused with some Ray Pete style sprinkled on top so you know anything like yeah anything mushy and stew like so okay I will answer concretely I'd say like a savory rice congee with like a poached egg and like some herbs made with like bone broth drizzled with some some you know burnt I was gonna say burnt butter but browned butter um yeah I kind of just I kind of just follow so it, it really good oh, it's never ending yeah yeah mushy and like orange like colors yeah. that's like screaming like sacral health to me interesting yeah like mash mash up some pumpkin like make like an egg custard out of it and like sprinkle some bacon bits go crazy I want to bounce that question back to you now (laughs) so good oh my gosh what am I into right now I feel like I can definitely tell here like the leaves on the trees are changing and it's definitely cooling down so I have noticed that I'm just like majorly craving um the winter squashes so I stocked up on some kaboka squash and I just I love kaboka covered in ghee like and salt it's just one of the best right oh wow it's funny you say that because I think speaking of orange foods roasted kabocha or kaboka however you say it put it in the fridge and it becomes like its own type of bread yes then take it out and put a thick piece of butter or ghee yeah it tastes it's out of this world I think there's some yeah there's something magical going on there you don't need to question it yeah I've never talked to someone about cooking kaboka before and then putting it in the fridge but it's like it turns into something different like, yep. you know, like versus if you were just to roast it and then eat it or roast it, put it in the fridge, because I've done that, too. And I've literally had like that thought of this tastes like it's totally like a different thing. And I almost yeah. prefer it. <laughs> you know, that reminds me when you asked me about my favorite fall or foods for the colder months, I still prefer, prefer cold food. So I often will make like a congee or even like a masa porridge or even like a egg, like an egg custard, and then I'll put it in the fridge and then I enjoy it. So yeah, I'm sure you could understand it in the realm of human design, maybe. Yeah, but- I mean, I will look at your design because there's yeah. definitely a there's a determination which tells us kind of our um, how we like to digest things, right? And uh-huh. so I'm actually hot thirst, which means like I'm always drinking something either warm or hot. Like I always am sipping on tea throughout the entire day. And this is just like where you can really start talking about how like our needs are all different, right? Like I might require more liquids than some one else who doesn't have like this hot thirst because I do find myself quite thirsty and my body does like thrive off of more of those like mushy things, right? Like when I cook myself rice, I make it more like a congee versus just like, I always cook it with double the amount of water. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad you admitted this because I like the one to four ratio myself. And it's like, oh, you put that in the fridge and it gels. It's yeah. I mean, even just thinking about like Chinese medicine and more of the healing approaches, there's something so nourishing about mushy foods, mushy, salty. Mm. (laughs) I know, girl, I can't wait to 
like hang out with you someday and eat with you. (laughs) Um, But I do have one more question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Because this is the Unbreakable You show. Oh, man. Let me think for a second to be unbreakable. I, you know, I think it's, it's something about the qualities that start to emerge when you feel like when you've decided, oh my gosh, this is a breaking point or like I'm breaking down. Thinking of the experiences where again, the gifts start to come out of those cracks. And I feel like there's poetry about this too, like the bright light shining through the crack. And like, that's where the beauty comes in. Maybe it was Rumi or someone that said something like this, but yeah, I think it's even being willing to step into those very dark, uncomfortable places and know, really know that they're not there to hurt you. In fact, they're there to help you grow and help you maybe like expand those parts of yourself that are maybe underdeveloped. So, oh, that's a good question. I, yeah, it's like letting, letting yourself break apart to then gather that armor. And it's like the sense of humor, the sense of knowing that life is going to keep testing you. And it's fine. Each time you get tested, you're going to be that much more confident in your ability to maybe withstand that stressor or or withstand the unthinkable and, and know that you have more and more resources. So, yeah. And now I'm thinking of all these metaphors of the crack in the sidewalk where the beautiful little flowers come through and like these things that were like, Oh no, I broke my favorite mug. And then you glue it together with some gold and it looks even better than before. Things like that, where it's, yeah, the, the things that we, we fear turn out to be exactly the most helpful. I love that. And I wish we could just keep chatting. So you and I will just have to schedule another chat someday. (laughs) That sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for coming on, sweetheart. Thank you, Meg. Thank you.